everyone. Katie here, and welcome to another episode of Magical Mystical Journeys. We are about to take a magical journey into the world of shamanism with our resident shaman, uh, Amy Renee. This is one of three episodes where your co-hosts are talking about our work, the ups, the downs, the misconceptions, and the joys we all have in our respective areas. And we want to tell you a little bit about our own magical mystical journeys, because we know that you are on yours, and we want to give you all the tips and tricks we can uh, to help you find your place within the spirit world, within your own magical journey. And so I'm Katie Valentine. I'm your resident Christian minister and metaphysical practitioner. And let me let the my two wonderful co-hosts introduce themselves. Andrea. Andrea St. Amand. I'm an evidential psychic medium. And, Amy. and, and I'm Amy Renee, a practitioner of shamanic arts. And Amy, you are the star of the show today uh, and shamanism. So let's get let's get started. We have some questions that have come in from listeners. Listeners, thank you. You're all so creative and you've asked these great questions that we never would have thought of. But let's just start with the basics. What is a shaman? Mm, such a good, good question. So the first thing that came up for me is that's a label of its own, right? There's so many different things that can go into shamanism. So let me speak from my personal experience and what a shaman is to me. So to me, the shamans were the original medicine men. They were the people that came before the doctors, doctors became. They were in tune with the earth. They could communicate with the earth, the elements, the plant kingdom. They knew the importance of being in right relation. So giving an offering being open, letting go of expectation and allowing, trusting life and spirit to deliver whatever's for the greatest good. In Siberia, the word shaman means one who sees or penetrates to the source. So it's that medium between the visible physical world and the spirit world. So shamans are like energy workers or are they, they bridging the world? Like what do they do? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, for me, what I do definitely working with energy is something I practice. Yes. Working with the energy being able to see the energy in certain ways, um, witness to it, working with the plants, working with different medicines, working with uh, sound and vibration therapy, getting into an altered state of being, even breath work, doing breath work. That is a practice. That's a shamanic art, ceremonial practices, honoring the ancestors, all life, each of the elements, each of the directions. It's a big core piece. So are shamans doing this work like for themselves or with a community? No, definitely of service to life. A lot of it is prayer work for the earth. It is of service to community. So sometimes community members will come to the shamans for assistance. Uh, to me, I was on a path of alternative wellness. And wellness works with the physical body, the emotional body, our spiritual body, and our mental body. And so being of service to community in whatever ways we're called to, you know, to me, life brings those perfect people 
to us that need assistance. And it's based on our personal journeys of how we can help them. And Amy, I loved what you said at the very beginning about like the, the word shaman even can be a label because it's it's one of those like really kind of, I think probably misunderstood words. And in my, uh, in all my research of reading three books on the topic, um, the it seems like the word comes from Siberia, from the Altai region. And like the, what they called their people that you just described um, were shaman or something that sounded like shaman. And that like in scholarship actually got applied to similar people in different cultures. So it's, it's a little bit of a catch-all word or label. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it doesn't describe only one thing, but Mm-mm. a set of things, yeah. Well, Andrea here, I think one of the earliest um, ideas or images most of us have in our mind is this question that was articulated by one of our listeners. And that was like this idea that you have to journey into the woods by yourself, spend the night out there by yourself. That right there is an issue. And two, though, in order to do it, to find or connect with spirit animals. Can you speak to that? Is that actually a thing? And do you have to do it? (laughs) <laughs> how like how much do you have to invest in tents and right, right, right. Wear, yeah. I don't okay. think you're allowed tents not in the stories oh, I heard growing dang <laughs> <laughs> so definitely a two-parted question there so let me address the animal spirit thing first no I the very first weekend of my apprenticeship my shamanic apprenticeship I got to experience a journey that helped me to know who the animal spirit was. So I did not have to go out in the woods. However, for my, right before my final weekend of apprenticeship, we do a Pakawachu or a vision quest. And so it is applying some of the ancient, ancient traditions, ceremonial prayer work, um, giving an offering, going up the mountain and staying the night on the top of the mountain to receive whatever wisdom. So there's no expectations because it may or may not happen, but it is creating that space. I'm going to call it more of like a meditative space, meditative journey for us to receive whatever wisdom is for us. What season did you do that in? Oh gosh. I'm going to say it was towards the end of summer. I feel like it was August is whenever I did it. And I got to go to Mount Shasta. So it was like so perfect, perfect timing. I'm impressed that you went to the top of Mount Shasta because I live nearby and that mountain kicked my ass when I hiked it. Like (laughs) (laughs) it is not an easy hike up to the top. (laughs) Did you actually get to spend the night in a tent or were you like out under the open stars? Yeah. So no, I did. I took, um, I guess a one person tent with me is what I did. And it's not like, it's just something I could zip myself up into to keep me, um, what's the word I want to work with here? Just from any bugs called like, I'm kind of a scaredy cat when it comes to bugs crawling on me at nighttime, that freaks me out. So I did have like this tiny little one person zip tent that kind of like a, um, Oh, what are they called? A sleeping bag, but it wasn't a sleeping bag. So, oh, like a sleeping bag with a hoodie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're not glamping when you're exactly. on your vision quest. No. You're what is glamping? Like what glamour and camp? Yeah, yeah. It's like when you <laughs> when you camp, but your tents are like basically the size of little houses, and you have all these amenities and and accoutrements and stuff. So. <laughs> Yeah, definitely not, not that. And it's really recommended to 
try to be on your own, to go off, like, because a lot of times they have camp areas. Ideally, you don't want to be in the camp area. You want to venture off a little bit further out to where you are away from the human energies Mm, and you are more with the nature energies. I don't know if this is right. It just sounds so much like really learning to trust yourself. Oh, huge. Having a relationship because there's, you know, there's stuff out there, you know, some places have bears. So how do I keep myself safe from the bears? So it really is a trust aspect with the spirit kingdom doing the offerings. For me, I fasted. I didn't have food on me. I did have water. So creating the environment for the purest connection and honoring my guidance within it. So the answer of, do I have to spend the nights in the woods? seems like it's a yes for, at least for you. (laughs) Not for the spirit animal part. You don't have to, Okay. but ideally to gain as a shaman. Yes, that is something. And I'm about for, about to go on another pocket watching myself, the strong guidance, like it's time. Anytime that we have confusion or uncertainty in our lives, whew, great way to really find our truth. Got it. All right. So you've used a, a quite a few um, very like very specific terms. So tell us how you like, how, how do you even know what those terms are? How did you learn about shamanism? Like what was your journey like to even be able to practice all of these? Oh my gosh. So uh, it's funny because Andrea is a evidential psychic medium and I was watching this show called Dead Files. And what it was is these people were having kind of uh, weird experiences and they were trying to make sense of what was going on and if it was safe to remain where they were. And so a, um, a private investigator would come in and do all the research. And then at the end, you know, this uh, lady would go in, go in at nighttime and have her experience, you know, do a reading. And then at the end, they would come together. And so at the end of the show, she shared that they needed to have a shaman come out and bless the land. And I was shocked, like, Ooh, cool. This word, I had never heard this word. And I was like, just immediately drawn to it. And I loved how all they needed was for a shaman to come out and bless the land for everything to be okay. And so I reached out, you know, I did research to find out what a shaman was, first of all, found one in uh, a couple, about an hour or so away from me, reached out, emailed him, let him know I was interested in learning more. He referred me to a book called The Way of Shaman by Michael Harner. I'm not much of a reader. I would get emails from this guy inviting me to the Solstice and Equinox link-ups. And I was afraid to go because the address of where it was located at White Deer, or I think White Deer Lodge, I believe, was on Kill Creek Road. So I thought it was like this cult. I'm all like, nope, I'm not going. I'm good. I don't, I really don't need to know about it. But eventually, you know, one thing led to another. And yeah, I was meant to go. Finally had that courage to go, took my kids to help me feel, you know, a bit safer. They're kind of teenage high school age. So like, they're not going to let anything happen to me. They're boys, you know? And had my first shamanic experience. They had a fire ceremony for 
the summer solstice and it was the most amazing thing. And they announced that they were doing an apprenticeship. And of course, numbers have been a big part of my life. And so 111-222-333, like just showing up. The email address of one of the teachers had 777 in it. And so I knew that that was the direction for me. So that's how it all began for me. So you entered into this apprenticeship? Mm-hmm. Said yes to that. Yeah. Year-long apprenticeship. A year long. Excellent. I think our training never stops. It it does not. That was the intro to it. That's what I can say. That was my awakening journey. Well, and you're, you're, you're in a particular tradition of shamanism, correct? Yeah. So the Pachacuti Mesa tradition is Peruvian based and Don Oscar, he was trained by two different Peruvian shaman. So it's kind of a combination of the two. And he followed his guidance. He was called to come over here to the Americans. And I believe one of his parents was American and has been so kind to offer us these trainings, these teachings, these ancient ways, these practices, so much goodness that helps an individual to connect the shaman within them, that God's self within, I don't know if I want to call it that, but that spark of the divine within there's, we each have it in our own unique ways. So, so grateful for that. Could you say the name again of your tradition? Pachacuti, what was it? Uh Uh-huh. Pachacuti. Mesa. I'm a Mesa carrier. So uh, a shamanic healer. And I work with the Mesa, which is kind of like an altar um, that has elemental pieces um, yeah. So the Pachacuti Mesa tradition. We'll put it in the show notes. Yes. We will. With the, with the spelling for everyone. Yes. yes. Do you know what strikes me about your story, Amy, is that you were already, um, watching the show and the idea of a forensic investigator didn't snap you awake. The idea of a psychic investigator didn't get you the idea of a medium. You're like, okay, as soon as you heard the word shaman, you something and you lit on fire. And one of our listeners said, how do you know which is your path? How do you know you want to follow mediumship or shamanism or this or that? And I think it is something like suddenly you're on fire. You might be intellectually curious about something, but suddenly something just lights that fire in you. Absolutely. And here's another thing too, is if something keeps on showing up, Hello, like there's yeah. signs out there. <laughs> Pay attention to that stuff. Right. Go with, go with your inspiration for sure. Whatever that is, that maybe it is shamanism, maybe it's something else, but like, hello, life is speaking to us. You use the word healer as well. And sometimes healer, that, that's another label that can be big. Yeah. Um, or do you think all healers are shamans? I feel like that's an aspect of a shaman. So not necessarily. However, I do feel that shamans do practice the healing work. So whether it be prayer work, whether it be uh, working with the energy, kind of like a Reiki practitioner or something else, there's so many different ways to, to work with energy and to heal. Like when it comes down to it, even us, we have to acknowledge our own healing, our 
past beliefs, you know, some of those come, come up and we have to create a new story with that. So healing shows up in so many different forms. And that doesn't mean that you're a shaman if you are a healer in some way, but absolutely shamans do practice that work. So are all shamans healers? I would say yes. Okay. So all shamans are healers, but not all healers are shamans. Correct. Okay. So that overlap is probably pretty small, I would imagine. Not everyone has the fortitude to spend the night on right. the mountain so <laughs> and, and do all the work to get there. Or even face their own shadows, like right. facing our shadows, like becoming, having our shadows become an ally. That's huge. And that's healing work right there. Ooh, I love the way you said it. Yeah, having a- I do too. We, we got to pull Ooh. that quote out. That was a good one. Yeah. All right. So that's that's going to be a meme, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> right there. Have our shadows be an ally. Um, okay. So we have to ask this. Um, are hallucinogens necessary to start your journey? Uh, we know plant medicine is, you know, a big part of what you do. So um, tell us. Tell us what this journey is like. No. So when this journey first started, pure energy, pure ancient ways of working with the elements, you know, getting to know my medicine pieces, working as a healer, that was my path. Yes, uh, spirit absolutely connected me to another shaman whose path did include the plant medicine. I was afraid of it at first, and I knew that that was part of my ego. It is not necessary. You Part of working with uh, hallucinogens is being in that in-between state. You're connecting. It's the um, altered state of being. We can get there through breath. We can also get there through sound and vibration therapy, like drumming. You can just grab a drum and drum over yourself. Keep on drumming and see what happens. There's deeper levels when you're working with different things. Here's one of my shares. The very first plant that I connected to was peyote. Probably, I'm going to say months after that, I did a breath workshop. So it's doing like the (sighs) breathing for roughly about a half hour or so. I kid you not, when that like breath part was over, I felt like I was I was on peyote, so I can totally get to that place, that in-between, that altered state of being through connecting with breath, air. That's amazing. And I, that's a long time to do that kind of yeah. breathing. So Ooh, it takes yeah. some practice, I would imagine. Um, so maybe you can talk just for a second about the difference between like casual drug use and shamanistic plant medicine, you know, if, if for, for shamans who are shamans in training who do choose to use these kind of hallucinogens. Right. Thank you so much for that question. Uh, so here's the difference. For me, when it comes to working with the plant kingdom, okay, because it can be as simple as a cup of chamomile tea, right? That's a plant. It's a matter of creating what I call sacred space or sacred communion with the plant, setting an intent, working with it in a sacred way, knowing that you're connecting with the plant to receive guidance from spirit or whatever it is that you're calling forth in your life. 
Whereas if I'm maybe a, I'm just going to say a teenage kid who's kind of rebellious and I just want to go maybe, you know, smoke a joint or something like that. I'm not connecting to the plant in a sacred way. But if I were to do it, say in this moment, as I maybe connect with a plant, I'm doing a prayer as I'm connecting with it. So tobacco, you can smoke a cigarette, right? But when you take the inhale of that smoke, are you doing a prayer with it? Are you thanking it? Yeah, different levels of it. So, yeah, I mean, one strike, I mean, the kind of casual use is often sort of an escapism or a trauma response or a a coping mechanism or, you know, whatever, whatever it may be. And and listeners, I want to make sure that's like completely judgment free. That's, you know, right. This is um, so so many people have been there. Um, But your your way of engaging with the plant is actually engaging with the plant. It's the opposite of escapism. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And that's so true. Like I want to honor the plants. Sometimes they, they do help calm us down, you know, of something. So they're assisting us. Yes, it can be escapes, escapism, but it can be so much more too. So maybe we want to journey with the plant to gain the wisdom of how do I work with the situation? That way I'm not reliant on this to calm me down. When plant medicine in terms of these sort of journeys started coming into my awareness, it, it seems a bit recent, relatively recent, um, and that they seem to be in groups. Like there's a facilitator, people are in a safe space. Um, yes. Is that always how it's practiced or used? Or For me, yes. Uh, out there, I can't answer that question for everyone else, but for me, if I'm going to connect, you better believe that I'm going to find someone who's going to, that has training to facilitate because that is huge, 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 huge. And a lot of times for me, uh, when I create that journey space, I am setting up a sacred environment. I'm making sure that I'm cleansing the energies. I'm setting up for the group of participants that, that comes. Yeah, because I can imagine that whoever's facilitating needs to be prepared to handle whatever comes up. Yes, that yeah, there's lots yeah, of intensive lot. yeah. intensive training that goes into facilitators. Just sometimes our pets can facilitate our healing, right? Yeah, <laughs> they can. <laughs> do you ever do breath work actually around your dogs? And do you do your dogs respond to any of this energy work at all? Oh, absolutely. And I love watching the dogs too. Like they show, they can help me to see what energy is present, um, especially with a client. But to answer the question, yeah, when I was doing uh, the breath work every morning to set my day, my dogs would like, they like to come and get my face, you know, so, (laughs) but not always. So yeah, sometimes they will. And if they're barking or like, moving around a lot, that lets you know that the energy has not settled. So it's a way to see that there's active energy or, yeah, just, I guess that answers it. One of our listeners indicated that um, their dogs would just start howling. Mine have not done that. I can't, (laughs) yeah, nope. (laughs) I wonder if they're participating and supporting. (laughs) It reminds yeah, yeah. me of all the videos of like people doing yoga and their dogs just coming and knocking them over while they're in the middle right. of a yoga pose. Yeah. Yeah. But mine, that's what mine does. Ah, I love it. And it almost what's coming through is like 
with them howling, there's a vibration that's coming in. So like on a sound and vibrational level, like they're, maybe they're bringing, I'm going to say like the wolf energy maybe coming in to be with you during that. Or maybe it is the dog energy that's coming in to bring that presence during that, um, the breath work. Yeah, that makes total sense. I, uh, yeah, so, so sensitive little barometers for us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Amy, tell us, what are some common myths and misconceptions about shamans, about shamanism? What, what do people need to unlearn? I think the biggest one is that people think it's a religion. And it is, to me, it's not. It's a spiritual exploration. It's like finding what spirit means to us. It's a way of being. Another one is that you need to be Native American or of that descent. No, not at all. Like, yes, I do have Cherokee in me. However, this shamanic lineage is Peruvian. So (laughs) totally, you know, different to me. If you're having that calling or you're drawn to it in some way, shape or form, maybe the elementals work with you already. Like, so that's another common misbelief. It can be scary and weird and strange for some. And I think it's because it's the unknown. But when you really connect with it and really learn more about it, it's not scary at all. At all. It's really a beautiful, beautiful practice. And I think one that I really, really want to debunk here is that it should be free. A lot of times our spiritual services people think that our spiritual services should be free. Back in the day, people would still give the shaman an offering because what's happening, the real healing is taking place when there is flow. So giving something that's meaningful to us in exchange to receive. Yeah, Yeah, well, and I, you know, in... In the ye old day, I don't know when to like you write an offering or maybe an exchange of some kind of like food or services or housing right. or something like that for the shaman yes. as well, right? Yes. Now we have exactly. a different way to do that. Right, exactly. Yeah. And I'm so glad what you said about shamanism and religion because um, they, I'm not sure who they are, but like I've, I've heard so many times or I've read uh, that shamanism probably predates religion. Right, like Absolutely. systems, like systems of formalized beliefs or practices, like shamanism probably predates that. And that I think I, I used to not be persuaded, but now I am a little bit more that some of the cave art, the prehistoric cave art, is shamanistic in nature. Mm. Yeah. So we're the old way of being. It that is. It really is. Yep. It was around before Christianity even came to be. Like it oh, yeah, is, way before. Yep. Well, speaking of misconceptions, Amy, did any of your family or friends have misconceptions or misgivings about what you were doing when you started on this path? And did you have a hard time stepping out to them or to your peer group? Yeah. So when it came to, I was excited, you know, it was excited me because I knew that light, like something that I couldn't explain (laughs) was working with me. And to me, you know, I had been raised in a Christian environment and I trusted that whatever was coming to me was of the highest good, that it was God, it was of God. And my mom definitely, she was worried. She was concerned. She was scared. So she was definitely... Um, I was like, mom, trust, 
pray for me. Just like, that's what you can do. So helping to ease her to feel safe. But yeah, it was even my dad. He didn't understand it. He didn't get it. And that's okay. Like, but I have to honor my path and who I am now, five years later after like this awakening, actually a little bit over that. that. But since that awakening, like, I feel like they really respect who I am and they're no longer afraid. And there's a better understanding, a better knowing. And I feel that I have more support from them for what I do. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, Amy, I, I know that a ton of people are going to be just wanting to reach out, wanting to know how to work with you. So what, you know, when you're working with people, with individuals, with clients, what are the kinds of things that you do? Like why, why would someone might, why might someone seek you out? Mm, such a great question. Oh, so most recently, uh, working with the shamanic energy, like what that means. Uh, I do coaching too. So spiritual coaching guidance. So if someone's going through a transformation in their life and they need some guidance, maybe they're experiencing animal spirits that just keep on showing up and they don't know what it means. Or maybe they're having uh, different guides that are showing up. Like, what do we do with this information? Having a deeper connection. What else wants to be shared? Go ahead. Amy, you do blessings, don't you? Property blessings and property. Ah, <laughs> yes. That's one of my favorite things to do. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, of course that was part of what got me into this. So doing house blessings in, I don't know that it is a clearing on a certain level, right. That I do as well, but it's really blessing the land. Uh, people who are moving out of their homes or moving into new homes. That's one of my favorite type of blessings to do. Doing clearings on an individual. So our bodies, right? Maybe you're going through something that is physical. Maybe it is emotional. Maybe it's spiritual, mental, whatever the case may be. Like, yes, come to me. I'm an assist. Maybe you're kind of confused, you know? Maybe you don't trust yourself in certain ways. I'm going to help you tap into your guidance. I'm going to teach you what life has taught me so you can be clear and you can be certain in moving forward and being present with this life. Cool. What is the best way for people to find you if they're feeling that inner pull? Because I know that some people absolutely are. I'm going to keep it easy for you guys. You know what? Just email us, magicalmysticaljourneys at gmail.com. Say, hey, Amy, I'm interested and I'll set something up with you. Just for reaching out, we'll set up a call. I want to know what you need and I'm going to offer you what I can. I love that. And that's so handy because Amy faithfully checks our group email. And so that is the, exactly the right spot, right? <laughs> we know there won't be delay. Like Amy, you know, you're always doing that. Thank you. That's a little bit of energy work, even right there in and of itself. It is, <laughs> Keeping yeah. on top mm-hmm. of email. Well, um, so I know there's a lot of other stones we could turn uh, around this topic. Um, is there anything else that we've forgotten? Any other last questions, Andrea, or things you want to share, Amy? Mm. Be you, be love. Be truthful to yourself. Face your fear. Like when it comes to, if you're experiencing something out there that's a little 
woohoo, you like out there. I think it's woo-woo is what my, uh, <laughs> one of my friends calls it. But if you're experiencing that, like, it's okay. You may not know anyone around you that's experiencing it, but I believe in you. I trust in you. And I want you to know that there's others that can assist you in your journey. I love it. Well, um, this has been such a fascinating journey. I learned a ton. So thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, yeah. Just amazing to hear about your journey into this work. Um, So Amy's already giving you listeners our email, magicalmysticaljourneys at gmail.com. What else? What else would we like listeners to know as we're closing out? Listen to us, share us, rate us on iTunes or wherever you're feeling called to rate us. And we're on Facebook, so follow us on Facebook. Find us. We post stuff all the time that lets you know when our events, our podcast airs, different things. So we'd love to uh, hear from you and get your feedback too. Yeah, absolutely. All right. This has been a wonderful, magical, mystical journey uh, into the magical world of shamanism. And we'll catch you next time. Bye, bye everyone. It's good to see you. Thank you all. Bye.